Hey friends, Kylie here, your host of Dream On with Kylie O'Miller, back for another episode with another inspiring friend, former teammate of mine, and my all-time favorite road trip buddy. Thank you as always for tuning in. These episodes are recorded from a live Zoom webinar that I hold through the KO17 Lacrosse app and are constructed into this Dream On podcast you have found here. I hope you are gaining some insight from these episodes from some of the people that I have met throughout my lacrosse journey that have imposed so much of their wisdom on me. We've got another special guest this week, and I'm pumped to get right into it. Alyssa Guido is someone very near and dear to my heart. As not only a former teammate when we rocked the red and blue at Stony Brook together from 2014 to 2017, but also an incredible friend, human, leader in her community, and an absolute gem to everybody she meets. Throughout this episode, Guido and I chat through some of the hardships that she has faced throughout her life that have helped shape her into the incredible human that stands before us today. From her struggles with her mental health, to her belief in lifting up those around her no matter what it takes, to her love for the LGBTQ community that she proudly represents. She's an inspiration to all and a genuine person that so many of us can take at least one tidbit of wisdom from as we listen through this conversation. I'll forever describe her as one of the best feeders I've ever received a pass from on the lacrosse field. Guido is someone whose energy can shine light on any darkened room, and my life on the road with KO17 Lacrosse at our clinics and events would most definitely not be the same without her coaching up a storm, believing in my vision for the future of this business, and being the best teammate even post-locker room days when we used to get weird in the tunnel of Laval Stadium, a.k.a. Kenny P. Without further ado, here's Guido. <laughs> okay, super excited about this one. I have my all-time favorite uh, travel buddy and friend, um, Alyssa Guido here. I like to call her Guido. So throughout this podcast, you're going to hear me say Guid, Guido, all the nicknames. Um, this is who I'm talking about. I played with her at Stony Brook from 2014 to 2017. She's a year older than me. Um, we had some incredible times together in that locker room and out on that field. Um, she went to Rocky Point High School on Long Island and is now the Maritime Women's Lacrosse head coach. She's also somebody who pretty much comes to almost all my KO17 lacrosse events and clinics and different things and has made a really strong relationship with a lot of those girls that we have in that family. And um, a lot of you who are listening, if you know Guido, you know that she is an absolute energy ball and just light in your life and always smiling, always making jokes. So I'm excited to kind of tap into what makes you who you are today, Gweed. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited. Love that. <laughs> Live love KO17. Wow. I love the energy from the get-go. Um, and also from the get-go, we always like to hop into some, you know, off to a good start here. Um, and I think the best thing that, you know, we can do is, is not so much just hop right into like questions, but I want to know a little bit about how you're doing today as a human. So, Something that you are thankful for today, my friend Guido. My pup, my dog. So we have our little like regiment every day uh, and we did our first part of it, which is our morning run. Um, he's so excited because he can actually come on runs with me again. He's got sensitive little paws, so he can't always run with me. But Maritime has a giant track around the uh, campus. So with that, he's able to actually run on that with me because it doesn't hurt his little paws. Oh, well, Brandon is the best. Can you talk a little bit about Brandon? I mean, I know who he is, but tell our listeners who, who Brandon is. So Brandon is a German Shepherd mixed puppy. He's still a puppy. He just turned a year old in July, but he's still a giant puppy. Um, he's a big old goofball who loves being around people, loves people, but he's my best friend and he's with me everywhere, everywhere. Even <laughs> if you don't think you don't see him at KO17, he's there. He's there. He's probably, if we're in an indoor facility, he's hiding in the rafters in the, <laughs> on the sideline. Um, he's just hanging out or he's in my car, just hanging out with his head out the window. Um, <laughs> we love Brandon. He's our little buddy there. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad he's able to, to continue running with you because I know that's something that you love to do. And we'll get into that a little bit later too. Um, so second uh, here, what is something that you would are proud to say that you are, have accomplished today? My morning workout, which was, I did yoga first, which you and Chen's have got me doing more of now. 
I'm really not very good at it. I can't move. I'm not flexible. I like watch them do it. And I like, I'm like, my bones are breaking. <laughs> and then followed it up with a morning run. I just like, it clears my head a lot, I think. And like, I'm like, okay, I, I got, even though I haven't done much of anything else yet, I've accomplished something. So that's a big thing. I love that. Um, yeah, this is one that we're recording here in the morning. So I, I am a big believer in getting up and getting your body moving too. Like you mentioned that um, our friend Chen's and myself, like she got me into it a little bit as well. Um, and the yoga and the movement in the morning, something that I never did when I was an athlete, right? A collegiate athlete, we would just wake up and we would, we would head to practice and we would head to practice an hour early so that we could get into the training room and start to move our bodies, right? And like do those exercises where we were, you know, focusing on little ailments and different injuries and things before we got out onto the field. So that was our form of almost yoga, but when we were playing in college and <laughs> now that it's post-collegiate, we got to find those ways to like wake our body up and um, get ourselves moving in the way that we're supposed to. So that, like you said, you can accomplish something before you even have accomplished the first thing on your to-do list for the day. Yeah. Um, and I also find that even if you can't get a workout in the morning, and this is something that I forget what his name was, but he spoke at a college, he was a Navy SEAL officer. And he said like the first thing, if you're going to accomplish anything in the morning is to make your bed. So I make a big point of like making sure I make my bed in the morning. Wow. That's a strong point, right? Like you said, it's, it just starts you off on the right foot. Cause I know that's actually very, very funny. I know that I'm getting off to a very slow start this morning and my bed is not made today. <laughs> so thank you for making that point. I'm going to go back upstairs after this and I'm going to make my bed so that the rest of my day can be on point. Um, and all right, last but not least here. So something that you're pumped to go out and chase, whether it's the rest of today, tomorrow, the rest of the week, in the coming months, what would that be for you? Uh Talking today, I would say, you know, I'm touching base with a few recruits that I'm excited to, you know, kind of get hopefully onto campus soon. You know, obviously with COVID, things are a little different and we're limited to having people on campus yet. So, um, and that's kind of in general and a little bit of a start to that. But uh, coming up tomorrow, I have a half marathon. So that's something I'm excited for. Is this your first? My first official, yeah. yeah. What, have you ever ran? that many miles yet or because I know that a lot of runners say that they don't actually run the full mileage but while they're training until the day of like marathon runners I don't know if that's the same for half marathons you can do that yes uh I ended up actually doing so this is rescheduled from mm -hmm. earlier it was supposed to be in May and when it got rescheduled I was like all right well I'm still gonna run it this day so me and Brandon, me and Brandon went out into one of our favorite trails and we did our whole 13.1 and Brandon looked at me in the end and asked me why we did that. <laughs> but he did the whole thing and it was good because it was, you know, I, I felt really good that day and it was under two hours. So now I've kind of set a mark for myself to hopefully do this one in under two hours. But it's a little different because in order for them to still run the event tomorrow, it's not your average half marathon or like how you'd run a marathon where it's like, okay, this is your route. You take your route, you go. They're giving us five checkpoints and you can get to those checkpoints however you want, but you have to do that. And then when you get back to the end, you give them, like you show them, most people have like their watch or something like that, that the GPS tracks them. And if you don't have that, you take a picture of yourself at the checkpoint, which is usually one of the bridges. Interesting. Okay. So I was going to ask, you're doing that around Brooklyn? So it starts in Queens, Storia kind of area. And then you go to uh, Randall Island, Randall's Island. And then you can either go, you can choose which way you want to go. So you can either go to the Bronx first and then up and through Manhattan and then back down to Storia or other way around, you can go Manhattan to the Bronx. I'm going to go Manhattan. You're going through Manhattan first? Second. Second. Got it. All right. Well, good luck to you. I think we can say all of that from all of our listeners. Very much so good luck so that you can get under two hours. Um, and is Brandon going with you? Brandon will not be running with me. Brandon does not like to run below an eight minute pace uh, for long distance. And he actually refuses. So he'll, when he's attached to me, like trail running, he's not attached to me. He runs free, but street running, he's attached to me. Um, he'll full on stop and sit down if we're going too fast. 
Oh, I feel that, Brandon. I feel that very much so. <laughs> That's hilarious. No mom tell me right now. <laughs> good for him. And also good for you that you're running that at less than an eight mile pace um, for 13.1 miles. You're going to absolutely crush it. I know so. And I can't wait to, um, you know, see those pictures from afterwards. I know you're going to send me some pictures from when you're done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. A big thumbs up. Like, Hey, I did it. That's something that you're going to accomplish tomorrow. And that's something that, um, I'm sure you're super, super amped up about. So I am pumped for you as well. Um, so outside of just running and exercising and the things that we also have in common, we obviously both played lacrosse together. Um, and that is what kind of brought us together as friends and, um, really shaped our journey together. Like I will actually tell a funny story that I remember. I'm not sure if you remember, but um, when I was in high school and I was a verbal commit to Stony Brook, I went to a football game, a Stony Brook football game to see what the atmosphere was like. I just kind of wanted to, you know, meet some of the older girls that I might be playing with. And I believe I was uh, either a junior or senior in high school at the time. And I knew I was going to Stony Brook in a couple of years. And Guido was there as a freshman, I believe. Um, and this was in the fall. So she was very, very new to Stony Brook. She was a freshman. And I remember going to the football game and sitting there and, you know, I had spoken to coach Spelina and he was like, Hey, some of the girls over, over there, like go hang out with them, um, get to know them. So I did. And Guido was one of them and me and Guido immediately hit it off. We were just joking the whole time. I don't know if she remembers, but she was telling me all about how she was playing in the marching band. Um, and all of her things that she had done in high school at Rocky Point and all her funny stories about playing for Joe Spelina at Rocky Point and how it's all the same now that she's at Stony Brook and she's super excited about it. Um, and we just immediately, like our, our sense of humor is kind of immediately hit it off. I knew she was going to be a really good friend of mine for life. So just a funny background story on that because that's, I think, the first time that I officially met Guido and even if she doesn't remember it as so. That's my first impression of Guido. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, it, I, from then on, like, obviously, when I got to Stony Brook, like, she was somebody who kind of took me under her wing, and um, we both played attack. We kind of really meshed out on the field, too. Something that I will always say about Guido is that she's one of the best feeders you'll ever see on the lacrosse field. Um, perfect passes, seeing a defense like no one, no one else. And... Um, you know, she was just a ton of fun to play with. So um, in a sense of the lacrosse, right? Like where, tell us about your intro to the sport. You know, where did you start? When did you start? How did you start? Um, what made you fall in love with it? Uh, so I actually had a cousin who played as a goalie at Yale. He was like a really good goalie at Yale. And a um, couple, like a couple other of my family members played as well a little bit. It wasn't big, big for my family. Like my mom's side of the family didn't really do a lot of sports to begin with. So my dad's side of the family was all like baseball, softball, wrestling. And like, I loved baseball growing up. Um, but when I was like seven, like, you know, they talked about like my cousin, like lacrosse and how he was this big name and big star and everything like that. And I was like, I looked at sports, like, I want to play that. I like, that seemed cool. So you couldn't, at the time, you couldn't start playing lacrosse in when you were seven, you had to wait until third grade when you were eight. Uh, so I waited that year and in, in third grade, my parents were like, okay, like you can play, but I also still wanted to play baseball. Cause I was like, if I don't like lacrosse, I don't want to take a year off from baseball. Um, so they're like, okay, you could play this season, play both sports. But at the end of the season, you have to make a decision. Like you can either move forward playing baseball and then we'll put you in softball as well, or you play lacrosse. So I ended up playing and as also at the time the team wasn't like, oh, you were on a third grade team and a fourth grade team. It was third through sixth grade. <laughs> so I was like two feet tall playing against like 11 year olds and I was eight, but I loved it. And I loved that you can, you know, kind of be physical. I thought it was weird that you ran around with a net and a stick and a ball and you were just chasing each other. But like, it was more movement than baseball was. And I was like, okay, like I like this a lot more. So that was why I moved forward with that. I was like, I don't really want to stand still anymore. <laughs> Too much energy balled up in there, obviously. I mean, you're running half marathons tomorrow. So um, <laughs> so we got to get those feet moving, those feet chopping. 
Um, <laughs> I think, you know, something that you said that's really important is that multiple sports and you had that from a young age, right? Like you were playing baseball and you continue, you wanted to continue playing baseball while you started picking up lacrosse. And I think that's so important for young athletes, um, and young people in general, just to be like versatile, right. And just to have a bunch of different hobbies, a bunch of different things that they can test out so that they can find what they love, like you did with lacrosse. Um, and you know, I think what can you say about on that front, right? Like the other sports that you played, maybe the other coaches that you played for some of those really important life lessons that you might've learned at a young age, playing those sports growing up um, that you might've taken into who you are today. So the f- technically second sport I ever, first sport I ever did was gymnastics, believe it or not. I was three, cut that short. I, I love the Guido fun facts. That just, <laughs> I learned something new every day from this woman. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> But uh, the second sport I actually started playing, again, I was still three, I, and I don't know if you would consider playing, but was karate. Um, and I think you actually get a lot out of that. Uh, not just like, oh, you go out there, you know, you're punching and kicking things and you're able to defend yourself. I guess that's a huge part of it. But like, I would say the biggest part of karate is discipline. Like, I think I learned a lot of discipline from a young age and you learn respect and you know you learn you have to be patient with things and like I think karate was a huge part of that I did it from three to like 10 years old I ended up I had my black belt and like it was so funny because it was like I had my black belt before adults had theirs so it was like but that was another thing is I was younger with that and those adults regardless of them being 30 years older than me 20 years older than me whatever it was they still showed me that respect so it made me like, okay, like it goes both ways. And then as I was getting older, you know, uh, the first sport that you could physically like run and do and stuff like that was for most people, soccer. Soccer, you could start at a really, really young age. Um, so that was fun. My mom played like a long time ago. Uh, and then basketball was something that both my grandfathers were really into. They were both pretty tall. And my mom played as well. Uh, and then, like I said, baseball. But it was just like, you know, soccer growing up. I'm not a huge fan of people that relate lacrosse and soccer to each other because I just don't do it. But more, uh, more so hockey, right? And yep. lacrosse. Okay. Although I never actually played. And that's like something I wish I could have done. But hockey's another very expensive sport. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's true. And I, I know that, you know, just knowing you, Big Islanders fan, right? As is my, myself and my family. And we love to watch. <laughs> yeah, let's go Isles right now, right? Um, but we love to watch hockey. And that's something I always said too, right? Like, I wish I played hockey at some point. I wish I knew what it felt like to be out on those skates and still be seeing the things that they're seeing and being able to handle the things that they're handling. And um, like in a sense of that, what what do you think you took from like basketball? And even though you say there's no, not too much comparison between soccer, right? Or you took the discipline from karate, you know, what did you, what did you take from that? And like, where do you think you developed such a good sense of field play, right? Field IQ um, in your lacrosse, uh, kind of sense because I think that that and you might disagree with me here but me being your teammate and me being able to watch you play like that is a huge part of your game is your IQ um and just your your ability to see the field where do you think that came from I think with soccer the similarities you find there is a lot of spacing Mm -hmm. soccer like if you're on top of each other you're not doing a lot you need to kind of have that field space recognize where you are on the field and like move in comparison to that and then on top of that like you have certain runs like certain like okay I know if that person's over there like I knew this really well with you and Murph like I I could see where you guys were and I knew where your cuts were going to be because you guys had that IQ I had the IQ that we knew our spacing so it's like if I was moving in a certain direction I knew where you were going to move to space to get that cut and be open so it's like that's something I took from soccer and funny enough like you mentioned earlier like Coach Spelina was my high school soccer coach for a little while. And I was not a great soccer player. Surprisingly enough, I did not have very good ball handling skills. Um, so anytime when it came to, I was very aggressive. And like, that's why I like soccer. Cause you just ran and like, I could hit people. And like, I was actually a defender in soccer. So I got a little bit of breakdown from that. But um, anytime like ball handling skills or certain things, 
Coach Blaine would always relate it to lacrosse for me, so I understood it better. <laughs> so it's kind of funny those that in that sense that's where it went hand in hand. Basketball, uh, that was kind of where again I developed a little bit more defense, and again like being able to read things, like re reading the defense in front of me, but also being able to play that defense on the other end. Uh, basketball was something that, again, I wasn't very good. <laughs> I couldn't dribble. And like, you need to obviously be able to kind of dribble. But um, that's a lot of like off ball movement and a lot of, again, like spacing, being aware, like being able to read what's in front of you. So it's like, I got that is where I can transfer, take basketball into lacrosse and being able to read the defense in front of me and what they're playing. Like, okay, is the defense in a zone? What do you need to do to break a zone? Is the defense playing a man-to-man? -man? Is my matchup good? And that's where you can kind of like take those other sports that are really important as you're growing up and developing and you can put them into that sport. Everything connects in some way, shape or form. Perfectly said at the end there, everything connects. Um, and I think, that goes perfectly into our, our next kind of topic that I wanted to get into, right? You mentioned that Coach Spolino was your soccer coach um, and you were very talented at soccer, <laughs> but he chose to continue to push you through your lacrosse career um, at Stony Brook when he was the coach at Stony Brook a few years later. And, uh, you know, you decided to obviously um, hop on that field and, and become a part of that, that Stony Brook family. And um, I guess I just want wanted to talk a little bit about like what your process was going from that that athlete that played a bunch of sports in high school super athletic and aggressive out on the field to okay I want to spend my four years um 15 minutes down the road from home right and with a whole bunch of girls that I probably played against you know in my travel team experiences in my high school experiences on the lacrosse field that ended up becoming some of your best friends um you know can you talk a little bit about that experience and what brought you to Stony Brook? Yeah, so my, you know, recruiting process is definitely a little different, especially from nowadays. Uh, my parents didn't come with me to tournaments and stuff like that. Um, so there was never like, not that I didn't have the support, but like it wasn't like you got off the field and I was like, you know, you can get that feedback and stuff like that, which was kind of nice sometimes. <laughs> but they, they didn't know what it meant to be, to like get recruited. They knew generally like, oh, like somebody wants you, but like, they didn't know how to help me. Um, and I literally actually just deleted some emails the other day because I like apparently hoarded emails. I didn't know I hoarded. <laughs> and I looked back before I was deleting them and it was like from 2012 or 2011 where I was sending coaches emails and oh my God, like no wonder I didn't get recruited. <laughs> I was like, it was like from my iPod and it was like miniature text and it was like, and then like all lowercase, like one full paragraph, like nothing like, hey coach, like I'm playing in this tournament tomorrow. Like didn't leave much information. Like I play for 91. This is my number. Didn't give like a schedule. Like I was like, I'm interested in your school. Like, and that was it. And I'm like, God, like, but you know, I, I played for team 91 and that was through the Spolina family. Uh, they, they, you know, are founders of that. And Dan Spolina was my high school coach at Rocky Point. And I was playing for him also with 91. And uh, when I started with 91, Spolina was still at Adelphi. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was, you know, I'd watched him coach Rocky Point for so many years and coach big players that went to big schools. You know, Breezy Lamonto went to Northwestern. She was a goalie. She was an amazing stud there. Same thing, Kara Mupo went, played at Northwestern, you know. You had people that ended up going to, at the time, the CW Post or, you know, UConn or people were going to big name schools. And I was like, okay, like, I want to be one of those people. Like, I want that experience. Uh, by the time I got into high school, Dan Splina was coaching and he, you know, he was trying to help me and guide me through my process and stuff like that. And uh, he was a huge help and, you know, he was trying to lead me in different directions and I wasn't really sure and I kind of narrowed things down and at the time it was like I was either going to go to Iona or I was going to go to Stony Brook and you know I've visited both schools and it was kind of funny because at the time I was like oh I don't know if I want to go to Stony Brook and you know I thought about it and 
I took my visit again at Stony Brook and I walked around and I met the team and I played in a couple of the recruiting tournaments there and with the recruits. And I think that was what solidified it for me. You know, like Nicole Duran was playing with me at 91 and she committed to Stony Brook before I did. So she connected me with other recruits that were going on. And the first two people were Dorian Van Dyke and Brooke Gubitosi. So it was like, those are, you can't get much better than those two. Exactly. So, <laughs> um, so I ended up, you know, talking with them and Brooke had just committed and Dor was still like back and forth between a couple schools. And, you know, the more we hung out and the more of these tournaments we played together, I was like, this is where I want to be. Like, I want to be surrounded by these people and, you know, to have, know who Joe Spelina is as a coach and, know how successful he was at Adelphi, I was like, okay, like big things are to come. And like with the people I have around me, like, I think it'll be a really good fit. And that's kind of, you know, the coaching staff there was also, uh, Caitlin B. Felice was still there and Kim Hillier was there at the time. And I loved them so much. Like they, the tour they gave me, like their personalities, like just everything, they were awesome. So they were like also like my finishing touch. I love how you um, really emphasize the importance of people, right? And I know that about you. That's like something that's so, so important to you is the people who surround you and your relationships with them and making sure that, you know, the people around you are happy and healthy and safe. And um, obviously that, that played a major role in a major decision you made in your life, right, is the people around you. And um, that's just kind of goes to show what kind of person you are. Um, just caring for the people around you. And I think that was also what made our time at Stony Brook so special, um, right? Like I couldn't, I couldn't help but smile when you were saying, all, dropping all these names that one, like memories just pop up of on the field, off the field. Two, we're lucky enough to all live within a really decent diameter of each other right now as well. And we're all super close still. Um, so those kind of like memories and friendships and relationships, they just they last a lifetime. It's, it's kind of a cliche saying about, you know, college teammates uh, that a lot of people will say, but it really is such a true saying. Um, and I think, you know, just kind of going off of that, like, I'd love to know some of your favorite memories from in the locker room, on the field, the, the wins, the losses, the hardship, like what, what stands out to you from those four years that we did end up getting to Stony Brook and um, you did end up getting to be around your people. I think one big like thing I can say like memories wise is that I think maybe out of 24 hours in a day, I think six hours of those day, those days I wasn't with somebody from my team and that's like pushing it. Like six hours is really pushing it because like almost all four years I've roomed with one, like we all roomed with each other. So it was like, it was like you were always with each other. Um, so something was always going on. Something was always happening. It was like, in the morning, like you said, we get to the locker room like an hour early, sometimes like even earlier, depending on the treatment you needed. And like, even if it like just what it took to like start waking you up, mm -hmm. you'd get in there and you'd get ready and you go into the training room. And it was so funny every time. Like, I just remember always walking into the training room and like you or Dora would be in there and you'd be like, well, Guido, how's your day so far? And it was like 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. And like, just by my face, like you could read, like, <laughs> Dora's like, I like wouldn't even have to answer it. Dora's like, oh no, like sit down and talk about it. <laughs> or like, you'd be like, oh, like you look extra happy this morning. Like what's going on? Like we just could read each other's faces. And before anybody says anything else, you knew how that was going to go. And it was like, that's, it was always so funny. The training room, was probably one of my favorite places to be in the morning because it was like that that was you knew how the day was going to go based on that you know <laughs> just had the training room and then you make your way back to the locker room and I was like okay like we got to get ourselves ready to go we got to make sure like we're awake we you know we're getting out there and we're getting everything we can so somebody was doing something ridiculous at all times in the locker room whether it was some ridiculous Casey Mitchell dance with Wendy, or it was, you know, like just something, something weird going on. <laughs> sense. And it was like that, like, it always got you ready. It was like, all right, you know what? Like 
this practice is going to be tough. It's going to be hard, but like, we're going to be by each other's side to get through it. And like, you know that, and like week to week, you know, there was always like a couple people that he really wanted, that Coach Flynn really wanted to like hone in on like, okay, you know, I'm going to push you harder this week. It was, it was your week. I'm going to push you harder this week. And like, if it was your week or if it was like my week, like I knew like I was going to have my, my teammates were going to have my back on it. So if I didn't make a good play and he was really on me, like I had you to my left, like, all right, like, come on, you got the next one. Like, you know what you have to do. You got the next one. You know? Or even like whoever was defending me, they're like, you almost had me beat. Like you just slowed down last second. So it was like, okay, like I, I, I know what I have to do. And I think those memories on the field and being in, in Kenny P and in, in the stadium and just like, you know, I can still think about it getting ready to do like five fours or something like that continuous and like us just setting up or, you know, being at the end of practice and you're like, all right, like, we're almost there. Like we did it. Like we're almost there. And you're waiting for him to just say buckets, like <laughs> to wrap it up. But like, I don't know. And then you want to talk about like wins and losses. Like I can definitely say my freshman year, it was before you were there and I know you know all about it, but our, our big loss against Florida my freshman year at home uh, was really rough and, and it was quite the memorable week after that. <laughs> can oh. you, so I think, can you talk about a little bit like on the topic of wins and losses, right? So if somebody looks from the outside on, you know, our squad and the, you know, the Stony Brook team now, right? They see a lot of wins. Um, which is awesome, right? And as you're talking about all of this, like uh, clearly there's a lot of hard work that goes into it behind the scenes and a lot of picking each other up and a lot of pushing each other to our very best potential. Um, and I guess like, what can you say? Like you said, right? Your freshman year, you guys, uh, before I got there, you guys lost to Florida by what, 13, 12 or 13, <laughs> something like that, right? And, but had that ever, has that ever happened again? You know, like not so much. Uh, maybe close to it, but you know, I think, I think it goes to show, right? Like you can learn from that. I don't think after that you guys had anywhere near as close of a loss to that, like post that season. Um, and I guess, can you just kind of talk on like what it feels to be beat down as a team and like the, I guess the triumph that comes from recognizing the mistakes, recognizing what went wrong, coming together as a squad and, um, being able to pull out some wins after that and being able to come ultimately back out on top afterwards. Yeah. So, I mean, after, after we lost and we went back into the locker room, like he didn't even need to come in there and like yell at us or do anything like that. Like if you've ever been to a Stony Brook game, you know, it's usually a pretty good crowd there. And that was like bad enough. It's just like, that's what we showed to everybody. We didn't even need to like, that was the punishment itself. It's like a really bad slap in the face loss. And, you know, playing like that in that type of lacrosse at our home field in front of a good portion of Long Island. Like it was just not what we wanted to show. It wasn't us and, and we knew that. So it was just like, we knew we were in for a rough week to come, but we knew we needed that. Like, it was like, oh, like, if he didn't cut, if Coach Pelini, you know, didn't come in and give us a rough week ahead, like, we're not going to get better. So we knew we were expecting, you know, a tough week. And we had our first practice after that loss. And we went out in our, in our full sweatsuits with everything on. And at the time, we were in these big red beanies. And we went out there. And there wasn't a cage in sight. Not a cage in sight. It was probably the scariest sight I've ever seen. But, you know, we did our run that day. And it, and it wasn't like it was in a sense of punishment but at the same time it wasn't because at the end of it it was about an hour and 20 minutes long in a, in a sense maybe just under that or something and at the end he said we were done for the day and then he asked us don't you think it would have been easier to run your 60 minutes in the game the other day than it is today and you know that kind of hit us all and we were like well yeah <laughs> yeah we probably should brand the other day and we wouldn't have to today so the rest of that week was just like really focusing in on the little things you know making sure we were in shit like fit 
making sure our sticks were dialed in, making sure like we knew like the little things that we needed to be doing. It wasn't like, okay, like let's go back to the drawing board and like maybe this play didn't work or like our exes knows it wasn't that. It was those little like back to the basics. And we worked hard that week and our next game was Rutgers and we went out there and just like crushed it. We had no options. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the best thing that you said there was like, and I know this because obviously I joined the team the next year, right? And there was something special about that locker room. There was something special about, like you mentioned, the people around you. And it was just kind of like you looked to your left and to your right. And you knew that no matter the circumstances, whether you lost the game, whether you won the game, whether you had a big game coming up, um, you know, whatever the circumstances, whatever the pressure, whatever the outcome was going to be, you were going to push yourself as hard as you could um, for the girl to the right and to the left of you. And you were going to know that if you failed, that they would pick you right back up, right? They'd take you by your right arm, take you by your left arm, scoop you right back up, push you right back out there and be like, hey, let's, let's go, let's do this together. And um, I will forever remember like all little moments like that. You know, I know, like you mentioned, like there were times on the field where you'd look to your left and I'd be there, I'd be waving, probably making a weird looking face. And I'd be like, you're fine, you're fine, everything's fine, right? And you'd do the same right back to me in the middle of the game when, you know, and I think that goes to show like, it doesn't only happen to us either, right? It, it happens at all levels of any sport, any game. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be a big moment in a game. It doesn't have to be, you know, the biggest game of your life. Like it happens each and every day, day in and day out for athletes of all kinds. Um, and it, it just really goes to show how special those bonds are, right? Those teammates and, and something that we talk about a lot as coaches and in sport is creating those relationships off the field so that those moments become easier because that chemistry was created off the field and you built that trust and that kind of relationship with the people around you that you know that when things get tough and when things are at their highest, you know, no matter what, they're going to be right there by your side. Um, so with that being said, I mean, I obviously appreciate you for what you do for me on a day in and day out basis. Um, but I also think, you know, it, it also is a big, it's a big mental challenge being an athlete, right? We talk a lot about the physical component, um, of things, you know, getting up and doing the conditioning, getting up and doing the lifting, getting up and working day in and day out to make sure that we're putting the best product out on the field as athletes. Um, and I know we love the grind, right? You're still running, you're still running half marathons. I'm about to go to my workout in about 30 minutes and just absolutely crush it. And, you know, we just, we love the grind. It's part of our DNA. So as much as we might complain about it on the down low, we absolutely just, you know, it's, it's part of us. It's what we love to do. It's what we were born to do. Um, and, you know, just on the other side of things, I know this is something that's very, very um, kind of important to your life, right? And important to a lot of our lives as well, because it affects everybody. Um, but on the mental side of things, right? The, the importance of mental health as not only an athlete, but, you know, a leader, a teammate, a person, right? Somebody who's got a lot of things to deal with. Everybody's got different priorities. Everybody has different things on their plate. Um, you know, I think, I guess, just kind of bringing this into the conversation, why would you say that mental health is kind of a topic that you're heavily interested in learning about? and promoting and talking to other people about and, um, you know, continuing that healthy and open dialogue with people around you on the topic of mental health. I mean, your mental health is honestly like, depending on how your mental health is, is how you're going to go through your day to day. And it's not something that I really learned about or knew about or anything like that, even in college that much, like, it was talked about here and there, but it wasn't a big discussion, or at least it wasn't the discussion it is now. And, you know, it, it is very important to me because I have struggled for a long time with, with different issues, you know, like anxiety and, and depression and ups and downs. And like, I didn't talk about it for the longest time, like at all. You know, there was a couple people here and there that I would try to talk to, but it used to just be like, like, you know, we, we all have anxiety about it, like something and, you know, we all get sad about something, but it's, it's different. And ju just, you know, to kind of put that out there, you should never, ever, anytime someone comes to you ever say like, oh, well, you know, like, you know, we all have, we all have something to be sad about or stressed about or have anxiety. 
because that's in that moment that's not what that person needs they like are feeling something if they open their mouth they're feeling something and and I'll going back to college I didn't treat my mental health like with enough importance and that translated in the classroom that translated on the field you know I as a player when I had something going on in my head or had something going on externally like yeah you're you know any coach or anybody will say like when you step on the field you let go of everything else and sometimes like that weight is just too heavy to like drop off sometimes it's really like really dragging you down and I think it had fact like had a big effect on me at some points in the season and just it could be anything it could be school it could be relationships it could be whatever it is but like no matter what that weight is heavier on a person on each person is different so it's like you know getting a not that great test grade for you might not be a big deal for but for me like it's it's a lot and I and I you know I'm upset about that or whatever and now that's like shuts me out because I'm like okay well now I have to do really good on the next one and like, well, am I going to be able to catch up in time? You know, like domino effect. So one little thing can have such a domino effect on somebody and then that's dragging you down. And it's really, it it can be regular little social anxieties. Like you think someone who seems like they, you know, they're this big outgoing person that like likes to jump around and joke around, you know, like I would have classified myself as that person. So I don't think at the time, like, we always joked, you know, we always joked around and even I did, I joked about it. It was like in the locker room, like, all right, like what's happened to Guido so far today? Cause it was always this giant joke that I had such terrible luck, which call it luck, call it whatever you want to call it. It was true. You know, that I had a lot going on and we joked about it. And, you know, I think that helped me get through it a little bit, but I also think part of that, I I meant I brushed it under the rug, you know, and I think I brushed so much under the rug that, you know, suddenly the furniture started falling over (laughs) and, (laughs) you know, not actually sitting down and going through how I truly felt and letting that out and letting that be okay that I let it out. And I think there were points where things like boiled over and it didn't turn out to be a good thing. And that changed, you know, some of my college experience and even after graduating, because I think after college, you know, now, now it's life, you know, now I'm not, I don't, you know, you're not stepping into the locker room every day and you're like, all right, like I got practice, I got class and I'm like, that's it. That's all I have to worry about. Now you have so many more things to worry about and to think about and to stress about and it becomes a lot. And now, you know, you're not worried about your lacrosse performance, but you're worried about your performance in whatever job you're doing, whether you're behind a desk, whether you're, you know, a coach on the field, like you have to worry about that performance because at the end of the day, it's not like, oh, well, if I didn't perform now, I'm going to sit on the bench, but it's okay. I'm still a part of the team. At the end of the day, it's okay. I didn't perform well. I'm not performing well. You know, I'm being reviewed and now they're like well we don't you know you're not doing what you need to do you're not of your performance we're gonna let you go so it's like that constant fear of okay am I performing well enough am I doing well enough am I doing everything I can like is this enough and then like at the end of the day when you go home it doesn't go away so it's not just like okay like yeah I'm like I'm away from my desk I'm out of office I'm in my house like it doesn't go away because you know you get home you know, you, you make yourself dinner, you clean up, you get ready for the next day. And it's like going to bed, you're like, okay, I have to wake up and do it again. And that's also a testament of making sure, you know, you're doing something you want to be doing. Because if you're not, again, that's even more of a weight on your mental health. But things build up and you don't ever want to let things build up because when they boil over, it boils over differently for everybody. But it can be a bad thing. It can be a very bad thing. And I've been in a very, very low and dark place before where there were times I wasn't sure I even wanted to pick myself up out of it. And I stopped and I thought about it. And I was like, I don't want to let other people in my life down. But then I was like, 
that's also, I think, a huge part of the weight on me is that I'm always trying to do something or be someone or whatever it is in order to make sure other people are okay. And I wasn't focusing on myself. So then it finally was like, okay, I want to do this for myself. And even after I did that, I still wasn't seeing anybody. You know, I, I talked to a few people about how I felt and, and where I was at. And they were like, okay, like, you know, now you should have to get focused on getting better, like for yourself. And then there were still times where that wasn't easy and I, and I couldn't do it. And, you know, it got to a point where I spiraled back down again. And I luckily had some great friends that had reached out to, you know, my family and, and kind of brought a little bit of light into that. And that was the first time I had spoken to my family about my mental health. And that was not an easy conversation to do, but, it, you know, after I finally spoke up to them about it, I like, I was like, oh my God, like, holy crap, like that, like, okay, that's like, that's some weight off me. And now like, they know that like, sometimes I can't handle everything because I think my family, I was always portrayed as like, oh, well, you know, like, Alyssa can do it. Don't, I didn't have to worry. Like I could do it. I could figure it out because I always have been very independent, but sometimes that weight became a lot. And when I got that off, it was like, okay, that next step. And then I ended up finding uh, someone to go talk to. So when, you know, I, I found a therapist and it was able to kind of really start talking and figuring out my feelings and like figuring out what was going on inside of me. And then after figuring out why I was feeling the way I was feeling and what was causing it and everything like that, I started to work on, okay, how do I cope? How do I change that? Instead of reacting this way, what can I do to react a different way? And I think that was like really, really important. It's like, okay, after you, you know, you don't just go to a therapist and tell them all your feelings. You're like, all right, like everything's better. You have, you have to now put in the effort to fix the way you handle situations and the way you handle things. And I started to be able to do that. And I was like, okay, wow, like this is different. You know, like, and then after a little bit of doing a little bit of that, you know, I, I, I think you were actually probably one of the first people I told about my history with my mental health and how I wasn't doing that well. And you were like, no matter what, like I had your back. Like, no matter what, I'm here. You can always talk to me about anything, like any time of the day, like whatever it was. And like that meant a lot to me because, you know, we, we did our time together. So we knew so much about each other, but that was something that you never knew about me. It was, again, because I was always this, like, you said it, this ball of energy, like, we had a great sense of humor together, like, all of that, so it was something that was, like, okay, like, wow, and, you know, maybe you didn't see that within me, but no matter what, you were, like, you accepted it, and you were, like, okay, like, whatever you need, you didn't stop to say, like, yeah, you know, like, I get, like, I get stressed out about that, too, but, like, whatever, like, you just listened, you heard me, and, like, you were, like, I'm here for you, and, like, that was the best feeling, and I took that and I was able to open up to more people after that. And I think the more and more I opened up about it and I was able to kind of talk about the situation, like the better I was feeling and the more I knew I was doing for other people because then after I had told my story and stuff like that, other people were able to be like, look, like I, I, like, I am actually like going through the same thing. So it's just like, I appreciate you telling me that because now I feel like I can talk about it too. And like that, the more people do that, the more understanding there is, the more you're able to like, other people are gonna now open up and not hide how they're feeling and then something can go terribly wrong. So I guess I know that was a lot and everything, but it is so extremely important to make sure you ask how people are doing. And not like, not just wanna hear like, oh, you know, I'm good, whatever. Cause I was always that, that person that was like, I said it, like, it was always like, it's never, Guido's never just like, oh yeah, I'm doing good. Like I was always like, well, today. And then again, we joked about it, but it was never like in a serious context. And I think that sometimes you actually do. Sometimes you have to sit down and be serious about it. And it was something I wasn't very good at for a long time. Cause I was like, oh, if I turn it and I make it a joke, it's fine. Everything is fine. But it's not always like that. And people need to know that it's okay 
to not be okay. And I know everybody's saying it now, but it's so, so, so true that like, it doesn't make me weaker. It doesn't mean I can't handle certain things or certain situations that are putting a lot on me. Like I just handle it differently or I used to handle it differently. And now I know how to go about that and know how to handle it and know how to talk about it. And if I don't, you know, I still, I still have somebody I talk to every single week where like I run through my week and like how I handle certain situations or how I was unsure to handle certain situations. And it's good to be able to sit down, have that discussion and, and move forward. Well, thank you for sharing that because I know that one can't be easy, right? Um, to open up and share that to whoever might be listening here. But I know that you also know, like you mentioned, that you sharing is going to help a lot of people not even necessarily share, but maybe just, you know, open up their eyes to what they might be feeling um, and then be able to take the right steps and take the necessary steps to, to opening up to their people um, and to, you know, to other people allowing the people around them to, to take the necessary steps to help them feel better too. Um, and less joking around and a little bit more serious, right. And taking into consideration that everybody around us is battling something that we have no idea about no idea, you know, under the surface, everybody's going through something. It could be the most minute of things in comparison to yours, but it's still something. Um, and I think just kind of being susceptible to understanding that and being open to, to listening and not so much just throwing advice right back, but really just being there to listen and being yeah. there to be, to be there, right? And just letting people know around you that you are there no matter what. I think, you know, we're going to open up a whole new level of kindness and generosity and, um, you know, just that, that openness within the world. Um, and especially within the sports world, I think we're taking really good steps towards that um, as a whole. And it's because of, you know, the bravery of people like you. So thank you, my friend, for all that you are um, and for sharing that story. And um, I know that we are, you know, cutting close on time here, but I want to make sure that we tap into something else that also makes you who you are. And I don't care what you say, you are a light in, in everybody's room. Um, you are, and you always will be, and you're always smiling. And I just want to know, you know, like KO 17 lacrosse has become a big part of your life. And I'm super grateful for that. Right. Um, we've had a lot of time together in the car, we're making funny faces right now because it's way too much time in the car together. <laughs> um, we've been, you know, all over the, the East Coast right now. We've been all over the country and we've met so many different young girls with a lot of aspirations to get to places that we've been, right? Um, and just be able to kind of share any sort of little tidbits of information and knowledge and experience that we've gained over our experiences. And, um, you know, I know for me, it's something that fills my heart up and I know it does the same thing for you. And I'm super appreciative of all that support. You know, I guess I just want to talk about, you know, how that has kind of shaped you and what you love so much about being able to, to give back to the next generation in so many different ways. And, you know, why, you know, what do you want to see from the girls that invest, you invest so much of your time and energy into when you're, when you're, you know, mentoring them in this way? I think a big thing is, is like, I want to show them that like lacrosse isn't, it's not just lacrosse. It's not just a ticket to college. It's not just like something that you are doing because mom and dad say it's going to help you in your future. Like lacrosse for me growing up was an outlet. It really, really was. And I know like a lot of people say that, but like it truly was an escape from other things going on. And, you know, it's something that you really grow a love and a bond for. And like, you see that a lot with you, like the way you play and like how, you know, the stick is like a part of you and you almost always have one in your hand in some way, shape or form. And like, when you started up KO17 and asked me to jump on and help out, like I was so excited because it was just like, I got to see the way you were going to share the game. And after watching how you introduced yourself to every single little kid that like walked through the door and like now still like every time you're on a clinic like you try to get everyone's name down and you want to know like where they're from and what they play and like things like that and like 
it's so much fun to like watch these kids enjoy it. And like, that's what I love is like, I want them to enjoy it. And I know that's what you love and like watching them go and like try to figure something out. And it could be the simplest of things. Like, you know, your big thing with KO 17 is to get out of your comfort zone. And it's like when the kids finally, you see when they finally let go and they finally do it and they finally like trust you and like they get there first, like behind the back that like maybe it doesn't hit their partner's stick, but it reaches their partner. And they like turn around, they're like, look, I did it. And you're like, you're like, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, like, like, let's get the next step now. And it's like, just their excitement and them loving to come. And like, when you call them over from their bags and they like come running at you and you're like, okay, like, ah, <laughs> like it's so, it just makes you appreciate things. It makes you appreciate everything about like the sport and what it's brought you and where it's brought you. And that it's more than just a ticket to college. And it's more than just something you do because your friends do like, it's a part of your life. And like, we are lucky enough to say that the sport we love and that we grew up playing is still a huge part of our life. And it's something that our lives revolve around in a good way though. It's like, we love it. Like, we could coach a thousand lessons or, or we can have a really awful day and a long day. And then when we have a late night clinic, like we get there and we're like, Oh my God, we're tired. We're tired. And then the kids come running out and we're like, all right, all right. Like, you know what? This isn't that bad. This isn't that bad. And you have that one kid that like comes over and she's like, sometimes doesn't even like, doesn't even know who you are. She's like, what's your name? And I'm like, I'm like, how don't you know her name? Like what? You're at a KO 17 clinic. But at the end of the day, like that's something that just like makes me smile. And then it's like at the end of the clinic, they're running up to you like, Kylie, you're like, I know your name now. Or they're like, why is your name Guido? What's a Guido? <laughs> <laughs> like those are things that like, I just like, as much as I love being able to show the kids the sport and like how much it means to me and how much fun it can be in so many different ways. Like they actually bring me so much joy. And I love that. Like, that's like, it's a little bit of happiness at the end of a, a rough day or a great way to start my day. Like whatever it is, it's a lot of fun. And the fact that like, I get to do it with you where it's like in the middle of that clinic, like if, you know, we're dying down on energy a little bit, like I can look over and I'll be like, Hey, Kylie, like, what'd you have for breakfast? And the kids are like, what, <laughs> what, what are you saying? But it's just like, being able to like joke around with you and be there with you and like watch the way look at you in awe and it's just like that's that's a cool feeling um i always appreciate your little bursts of energy there um it's impossible not to smile when guido does something like that so um no such thing as no energy bus around here um, but i i love that you mentioned that i think you know sometimes the most important things in our goals and the things that we do in life and, you know, our jobs and things that we do, right? Like sometimes we can overlook it by being tired, over scheduling ourselves, overbooking, right? And just kind of like getting lost in the nitty gritty details of a schedule and of a job and of responsibilities. But when you can take a step back and see those bigger picture things and what you're actually gaining, the experiences and, um, you know, the in impact that you can have on somebody else's day, uh, it's incredible. And I love hearing you talk about it because I'm excited. Now I have clinics later on today and I'm excited to go to them and be able to do exactly that. Right. Um, we're lucky to do what we do and we're lucky to be able to create these, these relationships through the sport that we all love. Right. It's a, it's a shared passion and it's something that not everybody in the world gets to do. Right. Everybody else has different passions and, um, we have ours and this is, you know, where it's taken us and we're super grateful for it. Um, so I have two last questions here from KO17 Lacrosse. Um, we are, and then we got a little quick speed round. Okay. Are you ready here? We got two hard hitting questions, but first and foremost, I'd like to know what makes you proud to be you, Alyssa Guido. That I can now say I'm openly who I am and happy about that. And that like, people enjoy being around me. I would say those are my big things is like, I'm happy with me, but then like people are also happy like around me. Absolutely. And you, like I said, will never stop caring about the people around you, which makes you 
you know, it's just such a whole human being that you are. Um, just an awesome, awesome person. And I'm lucky to be around you so, so often. So often. Uh, <laughs> so often. I know we sound sarcastic right now. We really, really mean it. I promise. We love each other so much. Um, <laughs> so the last question I have for you actually stemmed off a um, conversation I had with Chris and Carr on one of our last episodes. And um, somebody asked what her spirit animal would be. So I'd like to know your thoughts on what your spirit animal would be. Throwing you for a loop there. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> so, like, funny, like, I'm a big Harry Potter dork. So, like, if anybody that's listening knows Harry Potter, they have, like, you have a Patronus. And if you're even even bigger dork like me, like, you take the test online to find out what your Patronus is. <laughs> Which is close to a spirit animal. Um, I was told I am a wild cat. I don't know if I follow that. I feel like maybe if I was to place myself, I could be a sea otter. A sea otter? otter. Oh my goodness. You know when people say something, and I think I said this exact thing to Cookie, but... Don't expect that to come out of your mouth. <laughs> no, I didn't expect wild cat. That is what I didn't expect. So Harry Potter is wrong there, and I might be biased because I've never seen or read any of the books, but don't hate on that. I'm going to get to it, I promise. Um, but when you said sea otter, you know, when somebody says like, oh, that person looks like a, and some sort of animal, right? Their mannerisms just kind of remind you of that. That is so spot on that I am mind blown right now. A sea otter, they're so happy and they just hang out on their backs in the water, right? And they just like flop around with their friends. That is so you. Oh my goodness. Exactly. Like, I feel like sea otters love to be around each other too. Like, like when they go to sleep, they like cuddle each other, like in the water and this thing in the world they like just need the warmth of the other person and I think like that goes a lot with me it's just like I need like sometimes I need human contact <laughs> which is why COVID was very hard because it's like I need human contact <laughs> COVID has definitely been hard on all of us and I wish that all of you listening could see Guido right now she is making little motions with her hands of cuddling her other sea otter friends and it's hilarious so um, I, I absolutely love that. Let's get into a speed round here. Um, okay. So they're going to be quick hitting questions. All right. Just like back and forth. And I want you to answer them as quickly as you possibly can. Good deal. <coughs> not, not a COVID cough, but clear my throat cough. Okay. Take a sip of water for our quick finishes segment here. You ready? Okay. Tacos or pizza? Pizza. Ooh, you're the first one who said that. Uh, favorite kind of music? I'm a weirdo, like indie alternative. Sorry, lame. Indie rock. Okay, best concert you've ever been to then? Uh, I probably, it was Rainbow Kitten Surprise with Mountain Joy. Uh, again, maybe you don't know what that is. Or I guess maybe... The Hangout Music Festival, but that was like, that's like an, a festival, not a concert. Okay. I appreciate your love for music. You always give me some good ones. Um, <laughs> favorite place that you've traveled to? Ever. Oh, uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Okay. One thing on your bucket list? Uh, backpack, New Zealand. Favorite ice cream flavor? Rocky Road. Uh, one thing that you've learned throughout quarantine? One thing you've added to like your hobby list, like actually relaxing, like actually not doing anything, like kind of like learning to like not do anything. Like it's okay to have a day where you don't do anything. I am on that train, my friend. I am with you there, or I'm still trying, but we're doing well. <laughs> Again, leaning on each each other. Um, and last but not least, what was your favorite, most memorable moment in your lacrosse career? I think we kind of share this one is uh, my senior year. Uh, first time ever going past the NC, uh, second round of the NCAA. So we were made it to the Elite Eight. We beat Northwestern home on Mother's Day. It's the first time because every year we play on Mother's Day and every year we disappoint our mothers. <laughs> and it was the first year we didn't disappoint our mothers. 
And ironically enough, I think like one play that always like out very memorable from that game that like it was fully and was like, oh, it could have been a turning point was like, you actually fed me the ball. So it was a little bit of reverse roles, but that was probably like one of my most memorable moments slash games of my college career. Hey, you know, I, we can pass the ball too over here, you know, <laughs> and you can shoot too. <laughs> I love it. Just keep cutting like, and I'm like, ah, ah, ah. catch and shoot, catch and shoot. That's all you gotta do. Watch it in, throw the ball in the back of the net and you did it. And I remember exactly what play you're talking about. Little draw and dump on the crease. You were slipping right across, cross crease. I passed it right to you and you're like, Hey, don't. <laughs> I love it. Um, thank you so much for, you know, being here, being a huge part of KO 17 lacrosse and why it's been so successful and why, like you said, we've had such an incredible impact and these girls have had such a return, incredible impact on us. Um, and it's all because of you and your belief in, in what we can do and your support in being a good friend and a teammate, even post-college. I would say just a teammate in life. And, um, you know, I appreciate you very much for, for sharing your story. And I know that a lot of our listeners will as well. Um, and continue to be the amazing human that you are and the light in everybody's life. And um, absolutely a huge good luck to you. And even Brandon, I know he's not running it, but to you for your half marathon tomorrow. I can't wait to watch you crush it in that and in everything you do in life. Thank you for being here, Queen. Of course. Anytime, Kai. Love being here. <laughs> That's another episode. I'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for listening.